Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left. This is Feeney, and I'm driving as we learn to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is season two, when we're learning from people pursuing no place left that are not getting paid by a ministry or church. Today I'm interviewing Brett and Abigail from San Antonio. Brett's a dad working a full-time job, Abigail's a stay-at-home mom with a full schedule, and yes, they are pursuing a no-place-left vision for their friends, co-workers, and city. Listen after the interview for how to leave a comment, ask a question, or jump in to pursue no-place-left yourself. What has been the best part of your guys' last week? Well, I guess going back to this weekend, we got to celebrate our daughter Tabitha's seventh birthday and she wanted to Abigail does a great job with throwing birthdays for our kids they pretty much have always had some kind of a theme and the kids get to pick them and Abigail figures out ways to make that fun and interesting with games and stuff and so Tabitha decided she wanted a pirate party so Abigail threw an epic pirate party. It was awesome. And uh, <laughs> if I awesome. do say so myself. Oh yeah, it was. <laughs> uh, my mom was able to come be in town for that, so that was pretty great. Yeah, nice. yeah, it was a really good party, and we had school friends and ministry friends, and it was. I think just it's always really cool to see people celebrate your kids, like other adults that have been in your kid's life for a long time, and investing in them it was really awesome and we're actually um, military or we used to be and uh, so as this one friend was leaving the party she like gave Tabitha a hug and she said Tabitha I've known you all seven years of your life and I kind of got emotional because we moved so much at the beginning of our marriage and the fact that Uh, we have adults in our kids' life that are that stable, Mm -hmm. that are friends, like our friends are that stable and invest in our kids in that way that she's, she has, she's known her her whole life. And that's really, it was a really huge blessing. It was really cool. That's awesome. Tell me where you guys are at geographically. And then also, what do you guys do? What are your jobs? Okay, so uh, we live in San Antonio, Texas. We've been here for about seven years. Abigail mentioned that we were formerly in the military, so we were active duty for about 10 years, and then God brought us to San Antonio, and then kind of relatively shortly after that, kind of let us out of active duty military. I still work for the military full-time as civilian, and uh, and I'm a reservist. I am a full-time mom for the most part. And I also, in the last two years, um, started a ministry with some longtime ministry friends um, out of San Diego called Into the Harvest. And I have been an author. Uh, I wrote a book a couple of years ago and um, have blogged for like before blogging was cool. Um, So I've always been writing. um, And so it was kind of, I started out as Into the Harvest editor and I still am, but as 
as anyone who's involved in ministry knows, like you take on one job and then you get 15. So, um, so now I'm also on a podcast with Into the Harvest and we just started a YouTube channel and it's, it's like a full-time job, but, <laughs> but thankfully Brett allows that to happen on the side. So it's like my side hustle. That's good. <laughs> we got in touch. Somebody actually anonymously like reached out. They, I was trying to even ask like, Hey, let me know who you are so I can, uh, get, I, a could, rascal. I could like let them know who is asking and why. And then it's like, well, I already told them. So. I think I put together it was like Chuck or Deb Wood. Am I right? It on was that? Deb, and yeah, she's yeah. a rascal. She okay. is so I don't know. She doesn't like to reveal her identity. She she was pretty funny about it because she sent me that whole text chain with you and was yeah. like really giggling to herself about the fact that she she could tell you were wanting to know who she was and she was being really elusive and I don't know why. So yep. sorry, Deb. We just outed you. Busted. You're yeah. listening. <laughs> we'll leave that in. <laughs> Most people would then hearing this wouldn't be surprised to know Chuck and Deb are connected to No Place Left, but I'd love to know your guys' story. Well, I guess it actually kind of does connect back to Chuck and Deb pretty strongly. So uh, I was pretty much one of the first Sundays I was officially in the Army, and a friend of mine and I wanted to go to chapel, so we go in, and Chuck Wood was the first person that introduced himself to us. So that was really cool. And then that was the first time I'd ever met somebody in Chuck that knew what discipleship was and was actively trying to invest uh, his life into others, help them not only be disciples, but know how to make disciples. And so that really blew my mind. I'd been following Jesus for a little while at that point, but uh, I'd never met anybody that had that, I guess, confidence that they had a grip on doing that. And so that was uh, really surprising and, you know, attractive. So I pretty quickly tried to start if he was willing to get discipled by Chuck. The army took us different places, but uh, then later on down the road, we were back at the same location as Chuck and Deb. And he was in charge of a lot of stuff ministry wise. And, and so I wasn't necessarily really uh, getting a whole lot of time with Chuck individually, but I felt like God told me one morning when I was out uh, walking and praying to follow Chuck real closely. And so we kind of prayed about that and shared that with Chuck and Deb one night. And they said, well, that's interesting because God just told us to move to San Antonio and do ministry down there. And so we said, wow, that is uh, interesting. <laughs> so we uh, we just, I guess, kind of said, okay, well, if we're hearing God right, then you know he'll either get us w- with the army to San Antonio or we'll try to walk in obedience and get out of the army and go there. And God, he miraculously got us to San Antonio through the army. Which was two years to the day that God told Brett to follow Chuck. Uh, he oh, yeah. rolled up into San Antonio. So I thought that was really an amazing mm-hmm. thing that, well, one, that God orchestrated all that. And two, that it was to the day, which I always think we should pay attention to that when that mm-hmm. happens. Also, it was just cool because we really didn't know how God was going to pull that off. And I think, you know, being a doing a full-time job, I guess, since that's kind of what we're talking about. But we were willing to, to leave it because it was not as important as ministry. 
but I think it's it was it's always exciting to see when God allows our work to coincide with ministry and to still fit within that. Um, and I think you know we were really willing to just lay it down, um, but yet the Lord mm-hmm. continued to provide for us in that way. It was I guess before uh, the the banner no place left or the slogan or the right. vision had kind of been no crystallized yeah it was <laughs> I, I think before we moved to san antonio the, the woods had been really focused on kind of one-on-one discipleship discipling men and women and training them to make disciples um but it wasn't really as focused or, or there wasn't the vision for discipleship in the context of planting churches and then seeing those churches multiply uh, in that way. So it was a, it was similar, but it was a bit of a shift, I think. And I guess Chuck kind of had heard about Ying Kai. So then we were kind of learning kind of from when we got to San Antonio about how do we, how do, we do this? How do we plant churches? We weren't totally you know, alien to sharing the gospel, but it was a, definitely a big transition for us learning to be a little more focused on that and finding easier ways of sharing the gospel. You know, when we kind of got to San Antonio is when we started learning about, yes, still pursuing the people that are in our immediate context, but kind of opening the, the aperture to our neighbors, our barista at the coffee shop, um, just everybody, everybody in our life. Yeah, I think it was like taking off the training wheels of how we were doing ministry in general, we would meet people in church or um, in places that, you know, clearly these people are seeking for something. And so then we would kind of um, then come alongside them and help disciple them or, you know, meet with them for Bible study. And I think this was the sort of the time when we started to learn that we could, we could actually start conversations with just anybody um, to see to get their spiritual pulse, and we could find that spiritual pulse, and then meet them wherever that was. Um, and we did, hadn't known how to do that until then, and we had maybe compartmentalized a little bit in our lives of who we were willing to pour into, and where that would fit in our life. And this just really opened up literally everyone, and uh, and ministry could genuinely be um, any day of the week at any time um, with just about anybody. It was a huge shift. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I remember it been a couple of years ago and driving and thinking like, well, now that I am capable of like starting a spiritual conversation with anybody, that kind of is a game changer because I can't use that <laughs> as an excuse anymore. Like you can't yeah. like hide behind the like, oh, I don't know how to do this. It's like, oh, yeah. right. So fast forward to basically today-ish. Just tell me about like, what's your life like now? Just even a schedule wise, what does that look like with a a family? And then also what's a story or two of what you're you're seeing God do? I think the big thing is that we are never doing everything that we need to do. Either our lives are suffering or ministry is suffering. That's how we feel. Um, I don't know if that's Mm -hmm. actually how it is, but um, it is a constant balancing act, I feel like. And I think we've really had to learn to multitask to like the nth degree. But I do think that it's been cool now that we really do feel equipped and see the vision for truly no place left. 
And so we really can use all of those things for kingdom work. Soccer practices are fair game. I love that my kids are in public school. This year was the first year that our kids made their own Oikos maps, um, but they were like putting their teachers and their friends and um, and they, they got it. Like they saw that literally they had a new class full of kids that we were gonna pray for this year and teachers and um, friends, parents and uh, soccer coaches and soccer friends and ballet teachers and just everyone that we are coming into contact with, we're going to have conversations with and we're going to pray for them. And it can feel very mundane and every day and like, what are we even accomplishing? But I think if we take a step back, um, there is, there's little movement happening. I think there's, there are things happening. Any stories come to mind? Just, just a story of God at work. Just a couple times recently when I've uh, been sharing with folks, one guy was at uh, the cashier at Wendy's and then another guy was just a kind of a technician at work. They, they both, after I had kind of asked them, you know, if I could pray for them, they mentioned that, you know, oh, wow, you know, somebody just asked me that same thing this morning. Like, that's really weird. And so that was really exciting to hear because I felt like, man, this is confirmation that God is answering our prayer, that he'll mm -hmm. raise up laborers in San yeah. Antonio. And I have no idea who those people were. Um, so they weren't anybody that I'm connected to in any way, but it's just the spirit of God working in, mm. uh, in our city and an answer to our prayers. So, And with that technician, you were able to kind of take it a step further. You know, you were the second person who had shared with him. Mm -hmm. And so it truly had unnerved him. Like he was like, well, do I look like I, you know, is there something yeah. written on my forehead? And so I feel like you were able to yeah. then take it yeah, he was, he was definitely receptive to prayer. Uh, haven't yet kind of been able to meet with him outside of work, but um, this just happened. <laughs> but hoping to meet with him here in the near future and yeah. start reading the Bible with him. I think mm -hmm. it's cool because Brett's workplace really is very transient, and so that creates um, kind of an ongoing pool of people for him to share with. I don't know if you mm -hmm. feel like that's cool because it's like the work is never done, but yeah. I think it's neat because because we were in the military for so long and we moved so much. I think we both kind of had this sense of, you know, you'd finish up your work and then, you know, we would move to a new place. And so to be um, now in the same place for seven years, but I feel like the Lord has put us into him in situations that have forced us to keep sharing. There's always new people and um, always new opportunities to invest in people's lives. It's been cool in the sense that, yes, we've had people that come and go, but um, it's also just neat to see um, relationships that we've made and maybe, you know, we shared the gospel with them. They weren't interested and they're still in our lives. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of Brett's uh, co-workers, you know, he's now been working with them for a long time. And um, same with just my mom friends and just seeing the Lord uh, just start to move in people's hearts uh, on his timing and not my own. Like mm -hmm. usually, you know, you share the gospel with someone and they're a red light and you're like, all right, see you later, you know. <laughs> but we are really in a, um, a position and a season that you know we're gonna still be here and so we're gonna still be friends with you and still love you and hang out with you and um and just learning that the lord uh can continue to simmer in people's minds and hearts and we 
can share the gospel a third and fourth time and they can hear it totally differently. So um, just this summer, uh, we saw that happen with a friend um, who is my son's best friend and they had met in first grade and now they're in third grade. And uh, I'd hung out with his mom many a time and shared the gospel with her. And it wasn't until, you know, two years later that she texted me one night randomly and was like, I think maybe we should come to your church. Like, I think this is something we should do. And I mean, you could have like knocked me over with a feather. I was so shocked. (laughs) But it was was just a, a good reminder that, you know, we just really have no idea what God is doing in people's lives. And in the summer as well was another family who we'd done swimming lessons with and I they were already believers and so I was like casting vision and telling them what we did and it was like mm, that's weird you know and so <laughs> they weren't into that and <laughs> so just like okay well we're still friends and we still hung out because I really love loved their family and and sure enough they like were like hey uh, can we come to and see what this is all about I love that. Then the reminder that we need to be in long-term relationships too. Sometimes no place left kind of gets put into this like, oh, you guys are the, the people that knock on doors and it's just like the passing mm-hmm. relationships. And of course, yeah. God calls you to do that, do it. But um, mm-hmm. there's so much mm-hmm. fruit in just sticking with relationships and caring for people upfront yeah. with the gospel, of course. I wanted to jump back. I'd be curious to know, was there kind of a specific call to choosing to not go into a ministry or church or to maybe the specific job? Like what what made you pursue No Place Left um, the way you're doing it? I think that, you know, we had been around folks doing full-time ministry for a while, I guess, um, you know, really ever since we've been in the Army. That was my first encounter with people that weren't, you know, like pastors but they were raising funds or being supported to do full-time ministry. And we'd seen peers, you know, kind of make a transition into a similar life in ministry. And I think on one or two occasions, we'd even, people had kind of prompted us to kind of, hey, you should think about this. And, and I think just kind of timing of God's guidance kind of kept us in the military for a while. And then, but it was something that I was definitely interested in because I didn't always enjoy the different things uh, <laughs> about the military or jobs I had, and and so that that seemed like an exciting idea of getting out and doing that. But I think you know, as the, God kind of kept us in that context and working full time, but still trying to follow Him and make disciples and uh, plant churches. I think then we started to see that uh, we we did feel I think from the Lord kind of led to stay in that. I guess, position because we, we saw the need for it in the sense that we saw a lot of really talented and gifted friends um, or people that we knew about that were kind of doing full time, but we didn't see a lot of people that were committed uh, to the, to the work, but that were working a normal job. And so we really kind of felt burdened to try to, you know, just follow the Lord in that and be an example to hopefully show folks, Hey, you know, we're not by any means superstars. We're not uh, super gifted. We're, we're very normal and very flawed. Um, you know, you can do this. You can follow Jesus and work in an office or or work, work doing whatever. I think as we have caught the vision for No Place Left and what that would look like, 
And I mean, if the Holy Spirit just moved, then that would take care of all of our jobs. Until that happens, logistically, (laughs) we need laborers that are working and in normal jobs. And wherever that is and whatever field they're in, we're going to need people that are passionate about the lost everywhere. I think for us, it's important to, to be an example of that. And I know that that's it's really probably easier for me to say that because I don't have to go to the office. I really do think it's important for when we're telling people, um, you know, that this is what the Great Commission says and this is what we should all be doing, that we're also saying, and we're just like you and we're going to do that. We are, as Brett said, nothing special. And I think that as the years have gone on, it's been also a really great inroads for people because like I said, you know, when we're meeting um, people out in the world that are basically just like us um, on first glance, you know, you have those initial conversations when you meet someone and you're having that small talk and you're like, Oh, what do you do? And Brett can just say, I work at this place. And um, they ask me and I'm like, I'm a mom, you know, we're very approachable and normal in that way. Very quickly as they start talking to us and our lives look the same. You know, Brett gets up in the morning and he goes to work just like you. And, you know, I am wrangling my children just like you. And I'm sending them to school just like you. And we're here at soccer practice just like you. And then you get to the crux of it. And we're like, but we also are sharing the gospel with this person also who's sitting here. And we're, you know, having church in our home and we're meeting with other people in their homes. And, you know, we're intentionally trying to, to do things that most people aren't doing. It's definitely odd. And so that can really be striking. And I think, especially with fellow believers, uh, which we're in the Bible Belt, we meet so many people that um, profess Christ and who go to church on a very regular basis. And yet our lives look strikingly different from theirs. And so that is always a really good conversation. It allows us to cast vision in a different way because, like I said, our lives really did look so similar up till that moment. Anything you would tell somebody that's kind of in that same position right now? I try to not overstep my bounds um, in that regard because, you know, as much as we feel like we are, at least in it right now, this is where God wants us, I also acknowledge that God might tell me tomorrow, hey, Brett, mm-hmm. quit your job and uh, go do this other thing instead. And I guess as I do talk to people that are kind of at that crossroads, I tell them just pray about it and definitely listen to the Lord and whatever he tells you to do, do that. But I do also try to say, you know, look, because I think a lot of people have that idea, like, okay, if I want to really be sold out for Jesus, that means I got to quit my job and uh, go to seminary or go to a Bible college. And so I just try to encourage guys, hey, you know, just start looking around you and you are in a unique position to share Christ and make disciples at your workplace and uh, in the, the people that are in your life. So don't you know discount that because God can use you just as much uh, as somebody that's you know preaching in front of a church. The only thing I would add to that is just that it's going to be hard one way or the other. 
So if you're looking for something to be easier, you know, don't go full time because it's hard <laughs> and don't stay in your job because it's hard. So um, I, you know, I guess we're all like, we're all losers in this one because genuinely, you know, we're so grateful for all of the full time um, people in our lives because they pour into us in ways that we cannot and they have resources that we can't have and uh, they go off to four-day conferences that we can't make and so we're really happy when they come home and tell us what happened so we are so so thankful for the work that they do all day um when you know we're doing mundane tasks and uh and i know that we really really need them so i am i'm happy when people feel that call because we know that that is an important important work but we also know it's really hard. So if people are feeling that that stretch and pull and they think, oh man, well, it'll probably just be easier if I quit my job and go full time than, than uh, probably not. Yeah, and then nice. on the same front, it's not easier having a job that just because there's a steady paycheck, there's a constant feeling of not doing enough and uh, not having enough time to spend with the people we're investing in. Um, and just genuinely, there's not enough hours in the day. And so that's hard in a different way. I think it just really does go back to what you said, like just pray and whatever the Lord lays on your heart, um, we're thankful for the laboring, whatever yeah. form it takes. And I guess one other thing I would say that is just maybe on the practical side of if you are still in the workforce, but you're praying about transitioning over, you know, if you're not already just being obedient to the things that you know God has told you to do. So just right now, um, practicing sharing the gospel with people and trying to invest in people around you, I think it's important that we that somebody doesn't think, well, if I'll just get out of my current job and do this it'll suddenly it'll be easier for me to start doing that stuff and it's just just start being obedient wherever you are and mm -hmm. when we're being obedient in small things every day being faithful is when we're going to hear the most clearly from the lord and i think be the most in step with the, the leading of his spirit two things i wanted to highlight as we wrap up this episode the first one, Brett and Abigail already did a great job of, and that's following Jesus isn't easy. Whether you work for a church or ministry, or you're living on mission in the workplace, the call to lay down your desires and follow Jesus is the same. I love that Brett and Abigail called that out. Second, there's just a small but really important reminder they gave when it comes to pursuing no place left. We shouldn't decide who will respond to the gospel. We're called to share with anyone, everyone, at any time. That's the call of No Place Left, realizing that we don't choose who responds to the gospel, but we share faithfully with everyone God brings to us and trust him with the results. The number you need to know for follow-up is 321-209-3899. If you have any follow-up questions for me or Brett and Abigail, you can check out the show notes or use that number. Call or text your question and we'll get an answer back to you. If you live in the Northeast US, check out the Scent Summit on May 14th and 15th. The two-day gathering is focused on activating disciple-making movements. So if you sense God is calling you to do that, check it out by looking up Scent Summit in your search engine of choice. 
If that day and location don't work for you, use the same number as before, 321-209-3899, and text the word TRAINING to get connected to training in your area. If you're already familiar with No Place Left and the tools mentioned in this podcast, but need coaching to take your next steps, text the word COACHING to that same number, 321-209-3899. This is Feeney. Thank you for listening. Keep sharing the gospel, making disciples, and reproducing leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard.